Hello and welcome to Beyond the Shelf, the product and packaging podcast where we interview the people behind the amazing products we use every day. I'm Laura Fodi. I'm live from Pack Expo in Chicago, and I'm thrilled to be speaking with Matt Dom, the director of the packaging program at Michigan State University. Matt joined the Michigan State School of Packaging as director in January of 2020. Previously, he was with HP, formerly Hewlett Packard, for 25 years. He began his career at HP as a packaging engineer and eventually moved into management roles, including packaging, supply chain, and big data global analytics. More recently, he held executive manager positions in product marketing and product research and development for the HP LaserJet supplies business. I think we've all probably used those at some point or another. Uh, In addition, Matt has served as an adjunct professor at Clemson University in the Department of Food, Nutrition, and Packaging Sciences, where he advised graduate students. He also has guest lectured on the topics of supply chain and packaging at Clemson and the College of of Idaho. This must make uh, football season really hard for you, Uh, Matt. Yes. (laughs) Someone's got to do it. Dom previously served on the Industry Advisory Board at Boise State University College of Engineering. He also chaired both the Global Board of Directors for the International Safe Transit Association. We love our friends at ISTA. Dom was awarded the 2022 MSU Innovation Center Corporate Connector of the Year for his innovative approach to working with the industry. And uh, I'm proud that we're going to be able to talk about that later. Really impressive resume, Matt. Oh, thank you. So thrilled to have you here today. Um, so you went, you went to MSU. I did. I did all my degrees there. Uh, my undergraduate in packaging and also did a master's in packaging. And then I went to HP for a few years and came back to campus and did a PhD. Technically at that time, I was still an HP employee, but uh, HP at the time had a very interesting program where they would uh, help out with the cost of higher education. And so uh, that's how I that's how I came back to MSU to do PhD. Then I went back to to HP again. That's amazing. And you know what I love? We were chatting earlier about your career. You so you you did all this work in packaging and all this education in packaging. You did that for a little bit, but then you got out of packaging at HP and t- and had various different roles. Can you tell us about your journey in the industry there? Yeah, you know the packaging is a, is a fantastic degree in the sense that it touches so many other functions within a company. So, and I'm guessing a lot of other uh, graduates in packaging find this to be true as well, that it's fairly easy to move to other functions because you're already interfacing with them to some degree. Uh, and HP was a company that really emphasized the, uh, the uh, and had a willingness to move employees around into different functions. Uh, and I took advantage of that and and really enjoyed it. So, did packaging for for quite a while uh, in the laser jet business, and then moved into su- uh, supply chain roles with the uh, Ink Cartridge Group and worked on uh, product launches and current product engineering support. Uh, got into supply chain strategy and helping set up factories in Vietnam, for example. Very fascinating, very interesting work. Uh, after that, moved into uh, a role where I focused on big data analytics. And that was a whole new world. That was a pretty big step to move away from manufacturing, logistics, supply chain, packaging, and go into something completely different. But at, you know, at the time, I really felt like there was an opportunity to learn about data and data analytics, and more specifically, how you would use that data to find insight to help drive the business. So I did that for, for a little while. You can imagine HP has printers all around the world, tens of millions of printers, and there's data that comes in from from all those printers. And so having had a very 
great team that would look through, sift through all that data, analyze, and then we would try to find business business insights. Um, and I'll talk about it a little bit later, but there's a connection there to packaging as well that may not be obvious. Uh, after big data, I uh, went into R&D for toner cartridge, so the actual toner cartridge that goes into your printer. And that was a fascinating job as well, really focusing on the technology of, of print and security of uh, of printing and packaging touched that position as well. And then after that went into global marketing for, for toner cartridges. So quite a few different things at HP, really happy for my time there, uh, afforded me a lot of different opportunities and then this this role came open uh, and actually wasn't very interested at, at the time. I was having a good time at HP, but I had a personal friend call me up and said, look, this is a little different. They're really wanting to bring someone in with more of a business focus and think of it more in terms of running maybe a small business and connecting more with industry. And I said, I can do that. And I uh, felt like it was an opportunity for me to give back to the school that gave me such a great start on my career. And uh, one thing led to another and and took the job and moved to East Lansing. Wow, I love that. What a great story and, and really coming full circle. You know, this podcast is all about, you know, talking to people behind the products and we use every day. And I can't think of something we've all used more than printers. You know, I, today I was looking for a printer before this episode. Um, and obviously a lot of stuff has gone digital. And so I think that world has has changed a lot. But can you talk about some of the innovations? And, and I think what's so interesting about printers, too, is packaging is such an integral part of the product. Right. I mean, a cartridge essentially is almost, uh, you know, its own package. It's such an important part of a printer. Can you talk a little bit about the innovations you saw during your time at HP there? Yeah. You know, two of them come to mind. One was this is probably in the early days when sustainability and right sizing your packaging was a lot of the discussion in the industry. And so, and it wasn't just myself, there were some other key players within HP, but we had this idea that if you could look at your printer product and identify the weak spots, the weakest spots, and instead of just adding more packaging, which then made your box bigger, which then increased your logistics costs, which then decreased your margin. What if we worked with the product design teams to add value to the product, make a stronger piece of sheet metal or protect a certain plastic part that maybe gets as prone to damage. And in that way, cut down on the size of the package, which then had this ripple effect through the supply chain and actually added margin to the bottom line. And at the time, that was a pretty unique and novel way to think about packaging and the interaction with, with the product and electronics industry. But we got really good at doing that. Uh, in fact, we had one product I remember in particular where we went to the, we went to the R and D team and we said, we want to ship this product, uh, on its face. So think of a printer sitting on your desk, flip it 90 degrees. So the face is down. And oh, by the way, we want to put the toner cartridge in it as well so that we don't need extra sp space in the box for the toner cartridge. And they thought we were crazy. <laughs> we're like, what? We've never done that before. We're like, we know. That's why we want to try it now. But we did it. It, it took several years, uh, a lot of team effort. But by doing that, by flipping it and shipping it on its end and putting the toner cartridge inside, there was a lot of technology that went into doing that, but we dramatically reduced supply chain costs. And so that was a way where packaging started to help drive business results in a real tangible way. Um, another example I'll give, and this ties in 
uh, big data as well. If you go buy a cartridge, an ink cartridge, for example, from HP, there's a little barcode on the side. And the idea at the time was how could we leverage the data flow through the whole supply chain to learn more about our customers, what they're doing with their printers and pricing and, mm-hmm. and demographic data. And it turned out the way to do that was to link that barcode on the outside of the package to the cartridge mm-hmm. so that when you insert the cartridge, now the printer reads the cartridge. It also reads and knows what package it was in. Mm-hmm. Because you know that, you know the supply chain that it went through. You know what the skew is. You know what retailer it went to. You could find out how much uh, the customer paid for it. Mm. And so all this data now becomes linked together. You, you start linking that with demographic data, but that was all enabled because of packaging. And it was not obvious, I think, uh, on the surface, that packaging can play such a key role. Related to that, a lot of cartridges, especially in Asia and, and, and somewhat in Europe, there'll be a, a hologram and a 2D barcode on the outside of HP products and other other brands do this as well. Uh, but that's mobile authentication. So you hover your phone over the, the barcode, the 2D barcode, it'll go up to the cloud, it'll determine if that's an authentic product or not. So you give the customer at the point of sale a confidence that they're mm-hmm. buying a genuine supply. Again, that's initiated and facilitated by the packaging, and that was led out of the pack. One of my uh, packaging teams. Wow, during the I, time there. it's unbelievable to think about how much innovation and technology goes behind that. I, you know, the last example you just gave, the first thing I think about is Amazon products, mm-hmm. and you know, I've bought products that seemingly were from a brand and definitely were not. Um, and I think there's, if you're a brand owner today, you're definitely concerned about counterfeits online, um, without a doubt. That's that's exactly right, and. You know, the e-commerce has been great, but in some ways it's also exasperated the the ability to determine if you're actually getting a, a real product, a non-counterfeit product. Some of that has to do with brands may have a strategy where they want one package for the store, but a different package for uh, ship direct to consumers. <clears throat> and I know that uh, not just HP, but I think other companies have at times realize that if a customer is used to seeing a certain type of package on the shelf and that doesn't show up to the front door, it immediately raises questions, right? Is it is authentic? There's Sometimes there's not very much transparency in your supply chain. So how do you track and give uh, confidence to your customers? And it goes even beyond that. Uh, these track and trace technologies can help you monitor inventory. It can help facilitate dealer incentive programs, right? And tracking the inventory that comes in and out of, of your dealer network. So all of this comes back to using packaging as that transport item for, for data and then using that data to link to other parts of your business. I love this, Matt, because, you know, I talk to a lot of people in packaging and product development. And, you know, one of the biggest questions is always, how do you take packaging from a enabling function in the business? You know, typically it's last in line. The product team comes and says, here's our new product. How do how do you get it from point A to point B to getting a seat at the table, to getting further ahead in the product development process? So you're collaborating with them. And I love the example you gave first of it added margin, you know, to the product, because I think oftentimes when, you know, in the environment right now where there's inflation and, and people are talking about a recession, 
packaging teams especially are being asked to find ways to reduce costs. And I think the better question is how, how can we improve margin? Because right. oftentimes cost is, it's viewed as an event yep. where if you can improve your margin, that, that it has more of a lasting effect on your business. So how can more and more people start to think like that? you know, especially in packaging roles? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's not an easy thing to do because sometimes packaging can get cornered into, let's say, just a procurement function and it's just something that you purchase. But really, it, I think it starts with someone at some level has to champion the idea that we're going to look beyond just the actual cost of the package and think about what's the value add possibility. And I know that uh, the experience I had in the laser jet business that's how it started. It was about how do you, how do we add the margin in the supply chain? Because supply chain was one of the biggest costs uh, when we looked at the overall profile of, of a product. And so that's where we started. And, uh, and sometimes it's hard to get your, your colleagues on board. And so one thing that we did was we went to the person who made the financial decisions because they're looking across all the functions, right? So, and you've got to get these different functions to work together, but if you can make a good, strong case and talk to the person who's overseeing the overall financial performance of the product, that can get you a long way. Um, you know, packaging can also be used to to help market your product and differentiate. And I think a lot of companies, consumer brands are, are realizing that there's personalization that can be done. Um, we talked about the, the data, so, you know, that doesn't always look forward outward to a customer, but internal to a business, making the case of how you can stitch different data pieces together through the packaging. So you got to find those those ways that speak to the broader business impact mm -hmm. and then find one or two champions within your division or within your company that will help support that that view. I love that because, you know, at the end of the day, packaging is part of an engineering school typically. But what you're saying is you have to really translate packaging to the business language. And you do that by speaking and using data, financial, you know, um, integrate, you know, integrating and working with your financial teams and so on. And I think that must be tough, right? Because as students, you're, you're not always given those uh, skill sets. So, you know, why did you come back to MSU? I know you're just so passionate about the program. Yeah. Yeah, let me take the first part of your comment for, uh, to start with. So at least in our program at Michigan State, we do have a heavy dose of business element in our program, just for the reason that you just explained. We want our students to have both that technical grounding and a good sense of business so that they can talk and bridge, uh, bridge that gap. Now, there was a time where we had a pretty distinct difference in our program. You could either take more of a business track or more of a technical track. Um, when I came in two and a half years ago, we looked at the curriculum and there wasn't a whole lot of difference between either of those paths. So we've collapsed those together. And the feeling is, let's give the students a good grounding in both, both the business mm -hmm. understanding and the technical, and then let's ask them to take a minor. And then they can differentiate themselves by taking a minor in graphics or sustainability or business or entrepreneurship or something like that. But you know, that uh, the reason I started with that is because that does tie in with part of the reason why I came back. I just felt like the MSU program in particular really prepared me well to think across different functions. And that served me well at HP. And I saw how it has served a lot of other uh, friends in the industry as well. 
and felt like I wanted to come back and help, let's say, reestablish the school and provide whatever I could to give back to the school that gave so much to me. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I always think about how do you pay it forward, right? How you pay it forward. And um, MSU has an outsized influence in the industry. Um, what percentage of, you know, pack? I know each year thousands of students graduate into packaging. What percentage does MSU represent in that? Yeah. So right now we graduate about 40% of all the packaging engineers that, that come out each year. If you were to do a, a LinkedIn search, I did this a couple of weeks ago for a different exercise within MSU. There were about, I don't know, 5,000 entry-level packaging engineering positions that were open. If you look across all the packaging schools in the U.S., there's only about, let's say, 500 that are graduating each year. So you have this huge mismatch in terms of capacity and demand in the industry with what's actually the number of graduates that are coming out of the packaging programs. Why is that? You know, well, packaging as an industry is is one of the uh, largest in the world. It's a trillion dollar industry. And I think for a long, long time, it's just been under indexed in terms of the number of people going in into it. I think so, so there's there's what, three, four percent CAGR each year in the packaging industry. So it's growing, but you don't have the same growth at the packaging schools, packaging programs to keep up with that uh, growth for the industry. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, I think that's that's what's happening. Plus, you have lots of companies now realizing the value of packaging. And uh, and so you have those combined factors and you've got this mismatch in supply and demand. Yeah, I mean, that's fascinating. And, you know, as consumers, I think there's such awareness that there's more of a need for smarter packaging today than ever, because mm -hmm. as consumers, we see and we deal with it every day. Um, I think about all the posts online. You know, it's so funny. My mom and dad, you know, know I'm in packaging, right? And every time they get an Amazon box that, you know, isn't filled enough, they send it to me as if I can personally yeah. <laughs> uh, address the problem. But, you know, to me, the it just shows that people are noticing. And I think the days of being able to get away with packaging that wasn't strategic is really gone. The days of kind of putting something in a box and saying good luck as it gets across the supply chain, you know, as supply chains have gotten more complex and consumers are more aware and the demand for sustainability is greater. There really uh, is a need for packaging to become that strategic function we talked about. And, you know, first off, congratulations on the award you received. Oh, thank you. That's a good segue into into my next uh, topic, which is, you know, we're at Pack Expo. We saw Amcor made a, a huge donation to the program, which, yeah. you know, I think is amazing. Um, Specrite, we also made a, a donation to the program, which I'm really excited about. I'm going to the computer lab tomorrow to check it out. Why are you so passionate about bringing, you know, industry leaders into the classroom at MSU? Yeah, you know, that's really the mission of the university is, is to train students, give them a great education. Uh, but, you know, you have to think about then what, where do the students go? Well, they go into industry. <laughs> so to me, it makes sense that uh, in, in, in one way, I have two customers. One are my students, right? We need to make sure they're trained and prepared well. But the other customers is industry. And being and right now, industry, packaging industry in particular, is moving so fast. And the universities generally move slower. But, I, you know, you can't let that gap get too big. Otherwise, you become irrelevant. So for me, that's a key motivator is making sure that we're staying in touch with where the industry goes, because this is this is who we're trying to prepare 
uh, our, our students for is, is, is to go in industry. Um, you know, the other, the other piece too, is that it's hard in a university budget environment to, to have the resources really to grow. There was a time where most of the budget at the university came from state and federal funds. Now, most of it comes from tuition. Hmm. Uh, that's just not really a sustainable model for having capital for new uh, buildings or investing in faculty. So there's a necessity too uh, for partnership, financial partnership to really help us meet the goals uh, that that we have. Yeah. And we're so excited because, you know, we, we've enjoyed partnering with academia. We've been working, you know, with Cal Poly and, and Rutgers and, and uh, Clemson and obviously MSU as well. And, you know, when we started talking, it was just such a no brainer for us to refresh the computer lab, right? Like students have been using Specred in the classroom. Um, and we want to give them those tools because, you know, we find in our customers that the younger employees aren't taking, you know, chasing data as their first job and right. managing these Excel spreadsheets. They're like, isn't there an app for this? And so it's been such a great partnership for us to work with students and get their feedback and the, and the feedback of professors as well. You know, when we launched ISTA PackSite, which is, you know, the digitization of ISTA standards, um, MSU was one of the first programs to implement that in the classroom. And this, this combination of industry, academia, you know, the next generation workforce coming together, I think is really going to be a tremendous launch pad of innovation because, you know, Matthew, our, our founder and CEO says, we're not innovating for innovation's sake. It's, it's to advance people's everyday jobs and help them make an impact. So, you know, what are you most excited about in, in the partnership going forward? Yeah. Well, right off the bat, I'll say that the partnership touches on multiple levels. And, and when I look at partnerships, that's one of the first things I look for. Is this a one-off thing or can we do something more broad? And, and the relationship with Specbrite is in that latter category. Um, the Spec Squad, uh, that's another touch point that I'm, that I'm excited about because, you know, you guys are working with companies and now they've got a, they've got this mound of data, right? It's manual data. It's on spreadsheets or on paper. Somehow you got to digitize that. Well, uh, sometimes our students are able to be hired to input that data, especially the students that are not yet eligible for internship, but this gives them a way to be in touch with the packaging industry, get some experience, learn how to use the software. That makes them way more valuable now when they start looking at uh, their first internship or their first job. That's one example. Um, using the software in our classroom and setting the expectation that this is the way that you actually should be managing your data within a company. And I get excited about that because when you think about 40% every year of all the packaging engineers going into an industry, that's a scale to try to more quickly accelerate this digital transformation that needs to happen. Um, so that that's what gets me excited. It, it's the large potential industry impact it's our way of also trying to help drive forward uh, the talents and the mindset that's going to be needed for supply chain transparency and sustainability reporting and all these other things that uh, are going to be expected in our business necessities. I have such a funny story for you about about Spec Squad. You know, we're at Pack Expo. We're hearing a lot of conversations in the booth. And one, you know, Fortune 500 company was here and talking about 
the need to digitize their data. Mm -hmm. And they they said to me, well, we're going to try to hire one intern this summer to do it. (laughs) And I said, or you could work with spec squad and get 50 of them. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, and they were like, oh my gosh, I never thought about that. You know? And I think to your point, it really is digital transformation that these companies are going through. And there needs to be so many different resources for them because it's not going to be one person doing it. You know, you need these different support models across the industry. And to your point, it's such a win-win for the students, um, for the, for the companies that can then just go hire that student when they graduate. So we're just, we're so excited about that. What is your vision for the packaging program? Well, very simply, it's to be an undisputed, to be in an undisputed leadership position across all the different packaging uh, programs. So we're the oldest, we're by far the largest. I want, I want that third element of being by far the best. And when I say the best, uh, specifically that we have a quality program that is in touch and in step with industry and industry trends, that we have cutting edge research that informs our curriculum and that can translate into scalable solutions for industry. And, uh, and of course the teaching, but then the outreach piece. So that's another area that I would like to see uh, MSU School of Packaging have more prominence in being able to give a data-driven perspective into NGOs, legislative processes, policy making. I think we have a lot to contribute. And I think sometimes um, decisions and discussions in the general public aren't really rooted in data uh, when it comes to packaging. And so those are the different elements that I want excellence in for for our program. Yeah. You've spent your career at the intersection of packaging and data. Uh, what excites you most about the future of that? When I was managing the global big data team at HP, it really hit home how multifaceted this whole area is. It's not enough to have your data scientists. They've got to have good data. Well, where do you get that data from? Right. So that's a whole nother piece. And what's what's happening with Specrite and the digitization of data. And you know, you need that too. And it's got to be good data. Right? It's got to be good clean data. Otherwise garbage in, garbage out, right? But I'm really convinced that as we move along this journey together in industry and you start stitching together these different pieces of data, you're going to have breakthrough uh, business results. You're going to have insight you never had before. You're going to be able to touch customers the way you haven't before. You're going to be able to give customers insight into your supply chain, feel good about where their products are coming from and where they go, right? The whole area of sustainability and showing closed loop or showing that you are being a good steward at the end of life with your package is all going to require data. And so I think what people intuitively want to see happen requires good data. And a lot of that comes back to packaging. So I feel uh, very fortunate that maybe we're on the cutting edge and the cusp of trying to help move the industry that way. And, and that's why I'm excited with, with this, the SpecRite partnership. I love it. We really appreciate it. We got a new soundboard and I, I have to do one of Matthew's clips here. Um, I don't know if I have it turned up or not, but he has this clip where he says, make amazing, sustainable things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I think about our mission, that really is uh, real. Oh, well, here we go. One more time. Make amazing things. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we have another, let me see. 
You can't be sustainable without data. I mean, so I, I hear this every day. So I love that you're talking about it too, because it really, you know, everything you said about good data, clean data, I'm like, oh, this sounds familiar. Um, you know, Matt spent so many years in the industry too. Um, so now we're going to close out with my favorite segment. And thank you so much for stopping by. I know how busy you are, especially at the show. Oh, Matt, what is your favorite product right now? My favorite product? You mean in the market? Anything. Could oh anything. my, that's a hard one. <laughs> I don't know if I can answer that. <laughs> I'm here with the tough questions. All right. Well, I'll do a personal one. I love, love, love to mountain bike. So I, my favorite product is any kind of good 29 inch full suspension, lightweight mountain bike. <laughs> oh, I love that. I have two beach cruisers. One's electric. Oh, okay. And I'm like, I can't go back. I need a, I need the electric one, you know, for that 30th mile. Uh, I love that. What kind of mountain bike do you have? Uh, I have a big mama salsa. So it's a little bit older version, but uh, it's, it's a good one. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Um, all right. Now we'll do a quick game called Kill, Keep, Change. I'm going to give you a list of three random products. And so you have to decide which one would you kill or, you know, or discontinue if you want to put it nicely. Uh, keep or change. Usually I have a hat that I pull out of, but I'm going to I'm going to ask my team on demand. So give me the first okay. product. OK, hold on. So the first one's cufflinks, bumper stickers. <laughs> OK. And coffee cup sleeves. So cufflinks. Cool. Bumper decals and coffee cup sleeves. What would you kill, keep, or change? Okay, uh, I would keep the cufflinks. I like a good set of cufflinks, so that, that's that's a keeper. The what was the second one? Bumper stickers. Yeah, kill that. <laughs> what about all the MSU bumper stickers, uh, Matt? You know, I don't like things stuck on my on my vehicle. So I, I just kind of avoid that. Now I do put the decals of where my kids go to college. I that, those are the only and those are and they're magnets. Those are the only things I stick on my on my truck. Okay. And uh, coffee sleeves. Coffee sleeves. So you got to change that then. You got to change that. You got to make sure those are sustainable. So that's uh, if they're not, they need to change that way. We actually know the people who do those. Um, actually, Linda from Specrite was telling me all about the coffee sleeves. And years ago, they were doing studies around Chicago where they were going around and testing different materials and whether they were hold up or not. So I, I feel like people are working on that. Uh, stay I'm tuned. Sure they are. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. How can people get involved in helping the MSU program and working with you guys? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we've got a, lo a lot of alumni. And so I always tell our alumni, just keep keep doing what you're doing, talking about the school with your friends, uh, get involved, mentoring our students. That's a huge, huge help. Uh, and give me a call or give me an email. There's lots of ways to plug into the school at all kinds of different levels. So uh, we always look for guest lectures. Um, of course, financial partnership is is a big deal um, and hire our students. And those are all good, good ways to get involved. I love that. And I get I'm so fortunate. I get to work with so many of your alumni. Uh, shout out to, you know, Victoria, Rod, uh, Brianne, so many others. I'll probably get yelled at for not mentioning more, but there's too many to name is the, is the challenge. But it's so fun, you know, getting to work with your students and getting to see people who are you know, 10, 20, sometimes 30 years in their career. Um, the passion that they have for the industry is so apparent. I, I know that starts somewhere. So thanks for all that you do, Matt. Um, and for those listening, if you like this episode, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, Matt. Great. Thank you. Beyond the Shelf is presented by Specrite, the first cloud-based platform for specification management. Say goodbye to spreadsheets, share drives, and legacy systems and digitize your specs in a secure single source of truth. With Specrite, you can easily share and collaborate on specs with other departments and across your entire supply chain network. 
Taking a spec-first approach enables you to accelerate product and packaging development, go to bid faster, report on sustainability, and ultimately spend less time chasing data and more time making amazing things. To learn more, visit specright.com. That's S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T dot com.